And welcome to another episode of the Dakota Resource Council podcast. And it looks like spring might actually be here. Uh, it's it's sunny. It's nice. Um, I don't know how we can go from complete flooding in the fall to we need rain in the spring, but. Here we are, uh, got a little rain in the Bismarck area, and we hope that all the uh, farmers are getting what they need right now, but uh, definitely difficult times uh, no matter where you go in the state. And uh, over the past few years, you may have read some stories on uh, the DRC Facebook page and website, and, and along with work, uh, people living with oil and gas. And, and these are folks uh, on the front lines who live out in you know the Bakken, and are dealing with uh, some certain oil companies and the processes and just basically the effects of living next to fracking. And we got uh, one guest on today, uh, Jim Brew, who is on the Fort Berthold Reservation. And uh, Jim, uh, first of all, thanks for being on the podcast. I hope you're doing well. And uh, just start out a little bit on... uh, how long have you been on the current place? Because I know that you and your wife and, and kids moved onto a piece of family land there uh, not too long ago, right? Yes. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me, Sean. It, yes, 2014, to to be precise. And it, uh, as you can imagine, moving into a home and being able to have something like that uh, really meant a lot. And unfortunately, there was a, a lot we had to get used to in that process and it uh it's never ended since well and i can't imagine because there probably was excitement and and happiness to to be on you know that family land and just kind of i don't know if you thought about it but just basically being home i mean home is wherever you live but then there's certain parts uh, that that hold a dear piece of your heart and I'm sure you guys were all excited, but uh, you being where you are, you are basically in the middle of the Bakken, and uh, you are probably about 350 yards away from a a drilling rig and and marathon oil. And first of all, I've read some of your experiences. There's an article here by Earthworks, and uh, I posted it uh, on our Facebook page here this morning. And as soon as I'm done with Jim here, I'm going to pin it to the top of the page here for a week. So if anyone wants to go and, and, and see some of this, it's it's kind of, well, it's not kind of, it is frightening. And I do feel bad for Jim and his family. So uh, Jim, how how did this uh, process start off? We've got Marathon Oil setting up 350 yards from your house. What were some of the things going on with you and your family health-wise and then just dealing with the company itself? Well, uh, initially, the well hadn't been put up yet. There was actually a service road that had uh, been put through the area, and it was um, from where our house was to the actual road at that time was, I want to say, 40 feet. So we had... um, semis that would hit the jake brakes on the hills right outside the house the speeding would from from truckers and the general workforce would tend to dust us out and um, i want to say for about the first two years of that it was day in and day out of having to step outside when i'd hear a truck starting to jake break outside the house and i'd have to go ask him to not do it. it it was a lot of a lot of handshaking at first and intro- introductions and then you come to find out that it's a it's a transient workforce and it's always a new person and trying to be polite kind of went out the window unfortunately and 
I kind of had to start taking a tougher stance with these guys because I don't think they were getting the point. And uh, while we had asked the landman at the time who was working for Marathon if he could put up a, a fence or a gate, maybe plant some trees along the road so we wouldn't have to deal with it. And the landman told me, we're an oil company. We're not a, we're not a fence company. We don't, we don't do that type of stuff. So after, I would say, two years of that, uh, they, they, they eventually ceded to putting in a gate up at the front of the road and us, uh, put up some speed bumps near the house so people had no choice but to slow down. But the worst of it came when they told us that they were going to be putting up a well site. And that was the one that we're referring to that was a little over 300 yards from our residence. And that's when things, I thought the service road was bad. This, this changed everything. They, they came in and said they were going to do us a favor and, and move the road from the house and um, from near that, from next to the house. And they traded a road for a, a bigger road and the wall site again, that, that was horrible. It, it, uh, I, people will drive by flares, they'll drive by well sites. I'm not sure how many people out there actually have had to live next to a well site from start to finish. And that's an entirely different process in itself, having to, to live through that, to go through that as a family and with, young, with you know, children. And um, the drilling rig, it, that brings its own set of sights and sounds, but the smell from a drilling rig, diesel, invert, it's, you don't want to leave your windows open on most days. And then, the fracking sounds like you've got like an eight lane super highway in, next to your next to your home and, and then that'll run forever. And then what drove me to say darn near the brink of madness was the flaring, the flowback stage, because there was absolutely no reprieve from that. It was a twenty four hour sun and that and a, and it sounded like a jet was taking off outside your house and never did leave. And it would shake the uh, dishes at times. You could, I had a video that I made because I didn't think anybody anybody was believing me. But I, I put two thin glasses on my windowsill, and they were pretty much dancing. And um, I would share that video every now and then. But uh, I just don't think people really grasped the, the the nature of what was going on at the time. No, I don't think they do. I mean, I I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a smaller piece of oil country that it, it hasn't been quite the Bakken. But um, I, I do believe when I was visiting with Donnie Nelson when I first started DRC, he, he took me on a piece of land where there was a, a flare and just the the hissing noise. and, and every, I mean, it is distracting. I can't imagine living next to that for that long period of time. Just think people here in Bismarck sometimes get tired of their neighbors mowing the lawn. That's only like 45 minutes. You're dealing with this day in and day out. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. So you've, you've got this going on, and the smells and everything, uh, just it's it's not the best, best place to be at right now. And uh, I do believe the Earthworks article uh, started out talking about uh, – your your wife and you you're expecting a child and uh, can you tell me a little bit about the the visit with your wife's OB and uh, the letter she sent you about where you live and what you guys should probably do while she's pregnant? Yeah, uh, I was concerned about it because of what we went through initially and my two young daughters. Uh, it, it it was stressful. I mean, you could hear it all the time. I think I've, I've mentioned that, but 
when you when you bring in the factor of a of a newborn of a of a really vulnerable little life, everything was amplified for me. And at the time, I was working as a public relations consultant for the tribe, and we found out in June that she was pregnant. And as time went on, I was at that time I was I was trying to take care of the issue of guns in the oil field with our council and trying to get them to enact some kind of gun control or actually even just come up with an opinion on that matter. But things shifted when I found out we were expecting. And in October of last year, we had a, a landman with Marathon tell us we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to drill six more wells. And as, as unpleasant and frightening as the guns were, everything was just, it got turned upside down when I found out they were coming back for a second round of what had really put us through hex the couple years before that. And we had just found peace. It seemed like um, I had just been able starting to see the, the moon in our windows instead of a bright orange light that was rumbling behind the house. I was almost taken back one night when I seen the moonlight in my window. But uh, <laughs> Not used to it. Yeah, exactly. It was a almost surreal experience. It's like, wow, the the moon's actually out there. We we went to the doctor and had shown her some studies that we were looking at. And the studies are unfortunate in that the more you know, the less you want to know. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, can, you can see these medical reports that have been published in areas where they've been fracking longer or just as long as they have been in North Dakota. I think New York, Pennsylvania, um, areas like that. I think there was even one from Canada that had really caught my eye. But uh, we had passed some of these along to her doctor, and initially I was a little skeptical in that, you know, it, it maybe it's, I'm just jaded from where I'm at and how everybody around Fort Berthold is really doesn't seem to have an opinion on the negative effects other than some, some dedicated groups like Power and um, other individuals, but they're few and far between the majority and, and the powers that be, I guess. But uh I, I was skeptical that the doctor would even take a stance on it in that sense and wasn't sure what was going to come out of it, but we had to uh, bring it up. It was a concern for us. It was a genuine concern. And we did bring it up with her. And thankfully, the doctor did her due diligence. It must fall in line with the do no harm oath that they take. And um, I really commend that doctor for looking into what she did because she came up with her letter and that letter spoke more for the young people here on Fort Berthold and the people, the health of our tribe in general than, than I had seen any of our tribal leaders take a stance on. And in that one paragraph, she, she, I felt like she did more to protect us than I had seen anybody do up to that point. And um, I was really, I was really happy that she had said what she did in the letter. And I didn't, I was I shied away from trying to pass it around or show anybody because it, it, it held a lot of worth to me and I didn't want to treat it like confetti and just start yeah, you but know, it's, throwing it's, it wherever, it's a medical it doctor. Yeah, and, and I understand that. But yeah, it's it's a medical doctor who, who basically told you and your wife that while she's pregnant, uh you should probably just find somewhere else to live, right? Is that basically yep. the gist that's, of it? That's and, just a which is just an awe because usually the, the womb is like the safest, most healthiest place for a child to be. I mean, that's, you know, a safe home. And and here you are being told that you should probably find somewhere else to stay for the duration of the pregnancy. And that 
That probably didn't give you too great of a feeling, and you probably don't have the luxury of just, you know, picking up and being somewhere else for a while. No, no, and and a lot of the people uh, who do have that uh, mineral rights and oil royalties, they you tend to find they like to move to Arizona and places like that, and uh, so it's easy for some of these people who are pro-oil to get away, and it's just unfortunate to have to be stuck in that position, and uh, I think I mentioned this in in the article, but what scared me was if, if baby was going to be at risk in the womb and how much more risk would he be outside the womb. And thankfully we got a little reprieve from that. They were supposed to start fracking at the beginning of this month, but when things shut down, we, we actually got a break from that and um, I'm happy for that. But uh, they will be back in August, and that's something I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, in the meantime, how are, I mean, things probably have improved for you in, in your area right now as, as things are just kind of put on halt. And at, at least I'm, I'm guessing you're getting a little bit of a break between uh, pollution-wise and traffic-wise and and maybe just a little sense of peace. But I'm sure the worry down the road is, is still there and... and um, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, uh, are, is, are you two still pregnant, or have you had the when is the due date here? Oh yeah, no, little man's here. Oh, he's good been deal. Been here since good deal. since since January, okay. and uh, yeah, very <laughs> very happy. He's very healthy, and uh, you know, I would like to keep it that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit. I know that uh, there have been some some. I mean, there haven't been a lot of great face to faces with uh, with Marathon because I know that you mentioned uh, some some threats from weapons and, and everything like that. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the threats that, that you've and your family been faced with? Oh, yes. It, so when they had mentioned putting in this well in, I want to say, 2017, I, my time frame's a little off, but uh, there, there was a lot going on. I think the things were happening down in uh, Standing Rock. And that, in addition to what we were doing with here, we we ended up sitting down with some marathon individuals, a landman, and then an operations manager. And because of the constant trespass that we were experiencing at the time before the well site went up, I had made recommendations to marathon to ask them to monitor the road to cut down on the yeah, there's just the, the trespassing people that shouldn't be there. Um, I warned them that if you open up this road, if you open up a new road behind the house and it's not monitored, you're going to have people hunting. You're going to have people cruising around just to look at things. They're going to be, you know, doing all all sorts of things. And I think it went in one ear and out the other. And their main concern was just to try to keep an eye on me because during that time, I mean, I was having to make a lot of contact with people who I didn't really want to come into contact with it, but I was required. They were they were telling me when I tried to report something, a speeder or someone who shouldn't be there. You need to you need to get a license plate. You need to do this. So most of the time, it was it was easy enough to, you know, introduce myself or or kindly ask somebody what they were up to, who they were working for. But during the course of that, I asked them to perhaps maybe put up some security or a, you see some sites with a guard check at the front where they'll they'll check in people who come in and out. And but one of the one of the strict stipulations I put on that request was that they not be armed, and I think that was because of what was happening down in in Standing Rock. And the last thing I wanted was a, a security force or whatever they want to call themselves operating in close proximity to our home. And I was assured 
and that's all it was was an assurance it wasn't a any good words what to it there was no integrity to their statement or to their uh, response and, and just in that oh okay yeah yeah they won't be armed they won't be armed and uh they had brought in a company and they were operating for about six months and during that time i would go up to them and uh, be speaking with them about what was going on around the house. You know, they seemed, they just had a funny, funny feel to them. I, I just, I couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time. They somewhat, some of the guys were really smug. Um, long story short, I would, I would always talk to them on the driver's side. And one day I, I happened to make my way over to the passenger side of their vehicle, the security company. And I found a, a, a rifle, uh, it was like a five, five, six, look at an AR 15 type rifle mm-hmm. tucked in the seat. And, um, it, it blew my mind. I, I immediately started asking the driver. I said, what do you have that for? And he said he was required to have it on in his vehicle. And he gave some kind of answer about it, but, uh, it, it shocked me because not only did I think that carrying firearms around explosive materials and highly flammable, uh, highly pressurized gas was a bad idea, as as does OSHA and a number of other federal agencies. I was, like I said, I was assured by Marathon, some folks at Marathon, that they would not be armed. And come to find out, they were they were carrying an assault rifle, and uh, it, that was another slap yeah, in the face. It was another good. unsettling moment for you and, and your family. So between the, the effects of uh, being that close to these sites and, and just, yeah, the uh, weaponry around explosive material, it's it's not not a good thing. So, I mean, your story is shocking um, and it's unsettling. And uh, for those of you that want to go read it, it is uh, on our Facebook page, Dakota Resource Council and Fort Berthold Power here, and uh, we'll pin them both to the top of the page. If you want to read Jim's story, um, there's many more stories like this. It's just you got to give credit to the people that come out and, and talk about it because some people are, are intimidated and uh, kind of keep quiet and just try to deal with it. But, Jim, uh, you guys have been through a lot, and hopefully you just get a little break here from from everything and, and enjoy that new little guy and... and just your place, you know, a place that you expected to be home for a good long while and not have to worry about any of this stuff. So uh, we'll just uh, keep you in your thoughts, sir, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and telling your story. And uh, is there anything else you want to share with DRC members and other listeners on the podcast? Uh, just just to wrap up the gun issue, because that was uh, something that didn't really go away. Being that we'd asked the security company not to be armed, they were told by a... a one of our tribal council members at the time to refrain from our deceased carrying the firearms. And a week later, I'm into contact with one of the, the same security guy and uh, they were still carrying the firearms. And from 2017 to 2019, again, that was an issue that I was trying to press with our tribal council to address. But uh, in June of last year, during my youngest daughter's birthday, um, we had a, somebody working for Marathon Oil come into our driveway um, we're, and we had posted signs, no, no oil field traffic, private property. And he, he was lost. He got out of the vehicle. And, I, you know, in the course of having to document and take photos, I was taking a picture of his vehicle. He became very upset with me and jumped out and started getting argumentative and uh, told me he was going to take care of me. And he started going back to his vehicle and the police showed up and ended up pulling a pistol out of his car. So 
The the gun issue never did really go away. And when I went to my tribal chairman, he told me he wasn't going to do anything about it because these oil field guys have Second Amendment rights. And uh, that was just frightening in, in itself because nothing seemed to have been done about it and, and still hasn't been done about it. So I respect the people that are here working and providing for their families, but for the the cowboys living the Wild West lifestyle, you know, I, I would kindly ask them to leave their guns at home. Yeah. But no, no everything, everything's you. great. Our garden's going. I just want to tell everybody out there to stay safe and uh, enjoy some of the uh, nicer weather and the, the good things that we have coming yeah. towards us here in North Dakota. Exactly, and that's that's at least one positive right now, especially for you and your family. And enjoy that place and enjoy that new little guy, and I hope you named him after me. I mean, there's no better name than the name <laughs> someone Sean. Just throwing it out there if you want to do a name change. I'm not putting any pressure on you, but just a thought. I, and, and don't worry, I give this to everyone, so don't. I'm just wanting, you know, someone to be named Sean Jr. That's all. That's all. So... Well, Jim, I appreciate you uh, for sharing your story here with us today. And and let's stay in touch. And if there's any updates or anything, we'll definitely um, get you back on the podcast and share it. And and that's, you know, whether things are getting worse or things are getting better, we definitely want to hear back from you, sir. Okay? Understood. Thank you, Sean. All right. Thank you so much. And that'll do it here for your DRC podcast for this week. Uh, We just ask that you have a safe and pleasant May. Stay home as much as you can. Uh, Who knows when this coronavirus will uh, be done, but um, I do miss things like, you know, just going someplace without a mask on. Although it's probably helpful to other people. Um, You don't want to see my face. That's why I did so well in radio and I got kicked out of TV. It's just my face. So even if the coronavirus is done, maybe I will still wear a mask. I don't know. But uh, take care of yourselves and we will catch you next week.